Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to Hurricanes Weekly Sunday, December the 8th, 2019. Welcome to our show. Delaney will be with us. We're talking a lot of uh, University of Miami basketball this morning as well as University of Miami football. Our show is brought to you by Williamson Cadillac. Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. This past week, the University of Miami participated in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and the Hurricanes used a scintillating first-half shooting performance to defeat Illinois at Illinois, 81-79. to Junior guard Chris Likes had a career-high 28 points, and senior DJ Vasilovich added 20 points in the game as Miami improved their record to 5-3 and three as they took down Illinois in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And joining us on the show to reflect on that win and his career as Jim Laranega picked up win number 650 in his career, 180 of those at the University of Miami. Coach L joins us now on the show. Your win, uh, also another milestone for you as well. Yeah, they, they uh, had it in the uh, game notes that uh, I was one win away from 650, and the, the players delivered that great ACC Big Ten Challenge win over Illinois on the road in front of a packed house. And our guys just rose to the occasion, Joe. They, they played great. I, I, I don't ever remember uh, getting ahead by 27 in the first half of any game since I've been here. I know we won by 27 a couple of times, but never in the first half. Yeah, that was a, uh, a remarkable start. Uh, 650 career wins, 180 of those at the University of Miami. So uh, congratulations on that as well. I want to talk to you about the ACC Big Ten Challenge game against Illinois, but I do want to mention the 650 wins. And uh, I know that you say, uh, and we talked about it in the locker room the other night, you said to me, well, that means I've been around a long time. But winning is hard, Coach. And winning 650, winning one is hard. You've won 650, and that means you're a pretty darn good coach. Well, thanks, Joe, and and I I appreciate it, uh, the kind words and the nice comments. I I heard from a lot of former players about it, but I also want to mention, Joe, that you and I had a conversation, and I want to congratulate you on your honor, because you are now uh, an honorary, you have an honorary degree from the University of Miami bestowed (laughs) on you by our president, uh, President Julio Frank, isn't that right? I do, yes. Yes, I do. Yep, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate Congratulations. that. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I've been smiling from ear to ear for... How many How many uh, people have ever been honored that way, Joe? Who was the last one before you? Uh, I think there have been 50, and it might have been uh, A-Rod or Chuck Todd. I think there are 50. I, I heard Alex Rodriguez is one of those in that category, right? He is. Yes, he is. Alex Rodriguez is one. Yep. And Chuck Todd from, uh, you know, NBC, the 
Meet the Press. He's an honorary. Uh, oh, alum, that yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. yeah, he so, got ripped the other day. I think <laughs> President Trump went after him. Hey, hey, uh, a lot of great ACC games. Did you see the ones last night? I did watch Louisville, and then uh, Duke got in front of Michigan State. Michigan State made a little run, but didn't seem like Michigan State could ever get into the flow of that game. What, what did you think? Well, what I thought. And, and obviously concerns me because it's an area we have to improve. I was so impressed with Louisville's defense and Duke's defense. I mean, at Louisville, Michigan just could not score against them. They, they didn't score 50 points. No. Uh, and Michigan said, and Duke, said, Duke went after uh, Michigan State, and they had a double-digit lead almost right from the very beginning of the game. Their defense, both those teams, Put them in a very special category this season. You know, I, Virginia's got is at Purdue tonight. I'm going to be very anxious to watch that and see if if Virginia's defense uh, is good enough to win on the road against a quality opponent like Purdue. Yeah, Indiana beat Florida State. Uh, Syracuse got yeah, beat. great game. Both yeah. those teams are terrific. Right. I, I, I watched both the those the you know I, I thought Florida State showed how quick and athletic and big they are. But Indiana's guards, heck, they only had one turnover in the first half. Those guys were really good. And you mentioned uh, Virginia-Purdue tonight in North Carolina and Ohio State. That should be a, be a heck of a game. Those are two top ten teams. Yeah. And, you know, I, I always thought the home court was a, a real advantage. But uh, I'm really proud of our team's. We, we won at Illinois. Uh, we won the last time we were on the road. We won at Minnesota. And the time before that, we won at Nebraska. So we've actually won three straight uh, road games when we had to play on the road in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And my hat's off to those other teams that have won on the road. Iowa went into Syracuse last night, and they won by double digits. You know, it's funny you mentioned, though, the games that you, we've won, or you've won in the ACC Big Ten Challenge on the road, and uh, the common denominator, the, the, the environments have been terrific. Nebraska was a couple of years ago. Uh, Illinois was uh, last night. Minnesota, uh, two years ago, that place, uh, the barn, that, that place was deafening. And uh, Illinois the other night, uh, game was at 6 o'clock Illinois time, about – 545 there were a lot of empty seats and all of a sudden at six o'clock it was a sea of orange and they were they were ready to cheer for something and then you jumped out to that big lead and really uh took the momentum right away from took their breath away well joe you you were at the uh team meeting the night before when we described to our players what our game plan was and we told our players that illinois is one of the terrific pressure teams and they have a huge big guy inside in Kofi Coburn. And that for us to really attack them with our offense, that our guards had to do a terrific job of keeping their dribble alive and drive to the basket. And if it's not there, bring it back out. What we call Steve Nash. What Steve Nash used to do as an NBA player of the year He'd drive into the lane, and if he didn't have a layup or a kickout pass, he would just keep his dribble alive and dribble the ball back out. And you saw 
Chris Likes, who had uh, a tied his career high, he had one of the the great games of just attacking the defense. He didn't worry about dribbling too much. Uh, he was given the direction, hey, keep your dribble alive, and that's what he did. And he made those guards from Illinois. He really challenged them. DJ Vasilovich did the same. So did Cam Augusti. I thought our two freshmen in limited minutes did well. So uh, we executed the game plan about as well as we possibly could in the first 20 minutes. And that's what allowed us to get ahead by 27. But Illinois is a very, very good team. They're, they're uh, uh, great at home, and uh, they made a great comeback. And how about Chris Likes taking the charge on the game-winning possession? Yeah, that was a heck of a play. And I wasn't sure when the whistle blew which way it was going to go. Earlier in the game, there was a little uh, back and forth. But it seemed like... Uh, the officials did a pretty good job for, for most of the game. They were Big Ten officials, so to get that call with 2.7 seconds to go uh, and Chris hanging right in there because those guards were big and physical. They were, and that one of the officials uh, who did our game uh, in Illinois also did the game last night, uh, Duke-Michigan State, and I don't know if you saw that game, but in the very first, oh, I'll say before the first timeout, um, Ty Jones went in for a layup, and a player from Michigan State fell down in the arc, right. and Ty Jones made the layup and then landed on him. And the official, I think, called correctly a block, even though Ty mm-hmm. Jones stepped on the young man when he landed coming down from his layup-making. And uh, Tom Izzo went crazy thinking there's no way that should be called a foul, but the rule is you have to allow a player to land, whether it's a layup or a jump shot. Once the player goes airborne, you cannot get underneath them. I think it was uh, in your game, Io DeSumo, who had the ball at the end of the game, and uh, he was the one that uh, was called for the charge against Chris. And you mentioned the game plan, and I thought – uh, your guys did do it perfectly. Uh, there were so many big shots in that game, and there were times where either Chris or DJ dribbled in, in underneath the basket and then came right back the other way. And I said at one point th- they had the Illinois guards talking to themselves. Uh, they were driving him crazy so much so that Brad Underwood used all his timeouts in the first half. I don't think I've ever seen that. I've never seen that before, <laughs> but I think Brad saw something he didn't like each time. Yeah, they, he, the The – the interesting thing, Joe, about game plans, and as I said, we really executed the game plan in the first half, but putting together a game plan is easier than executing a game plan <laughs> because the opponent has something to do with that. And even though our guys were fantastic in the first half, Illinois was up to the challenge in the second half. They changed. They did a much better job. And we weren't quite as good. It wasn't like we were bad. We just weren't as sharp defensively. They scored 48 points on us in the second half. So our challenge right now, Joe, and you know this because you sit in on those pregame talks, we have to improve defensively and we have to become a better defensive rebounding team. Yeah. Um, uh, And and – the guys the other night uh, in the first half, now I thought they fought pretty hard defensively. This kid, uh, Kofi Coburn, 
He was a handful, seven feet tall. He had hands like uh, manhole covers. Uh, skyscraper, 23 points. He was, but you did enough on him in the first half to uh, to rattle him, and he, and he turned the ball over. Well, we doubled him, and it's one of the things that I like so much about Sam Wardenberg's defense. Sam is able to guard his man pretty effectively. He's able to help his teammates, like on ball screens. He does a very nice job there. He defensive rebounds pretty well. And the thing we've added this year is something Sam has gotten really good at, and that is double teaming a really good low post scorer. And Kofi is a handful for anyone. We sent Sam to help Rodney and Keith Stone, and he doubled them up. And Kofi made some mistakes in the first half. Now, again, they made some adjustments, and we were not able to double him some because Sam is really the only one that does it effectively. So anytime Sam went out of the game, we didn't double Kofi. We left it up to either Keith or Rodney Miller to guard him one-on-one, and that's where Kofi did most of his damage, either there in the post or on the offensive boards. One of the uh, uh, big things in the game the other night, along with Chris scoring all those points, and I don't know if he's done this at all uh, in his career, yeah, he did not have a turnover. No oh, tur- I didn't even realize that. Yeah, no turnovers. It's one of the things, you know, sometimes, and, and, and I'm going to try to explain this to you and our listeners. Players, when we recruit them, they play a certain way. And then when you get them, you kind of want them to adapt to your system. We need you to do this even though it might not be something they've worked on in high school, and maybe they're not even that good at it, all right? So in, in Chris Likes, if I asked you what position does he play, what would your answer be? Point guard. Yet if I asked you to define what a point guard does, what would be the, the comparison to a football position? Quarterback. Yeah, and in football, quarterbacks distribute the ball. They hand it off. They might run some, but they pass the ball. In basketball, the the definition of a point guard is pretty much the same thing. We want you to pass. We want you to run the team. We want you to be an orchestrator. We want you to be the maestro. But in Chris Likes' case, the best thing he does is he makes problems for the defense just by scoring, getting in the paint, pulling up and hitting a 15-footer, hitting a three. He's going to get some assists uh, naturally, but he is a much more natural scorer, almost like a two-guard. But because he has the ball in his hands, he is a tough customer to guard one-on-one and he almost forces all defenses to give him special attention. He, he, he had four steals the other night, uh, two assists, no turnovers, 28 points. Why do you think that it seems to me in every game, the first four to six minutes in every game, the guy that – and you probably encourage us a little bit, but the guy that he's pestering and badgering in every game, the, his opponent – 
tries to swat him away. Ultimately, they throw an elbow or shoulder, and they get called for a foul. Yeah, um, and I have a great deal of experience with this as a player. When I was in high school, Joe, I was a four-five man. I'm six foot five, and I played in the front court against a lot of guys that were taller than me. Yet when I got to college, my first few years, I played the point guard position, and I was often defended by guys five ten to six feet. And because of my size and because of where my elbow would be, I would often find myself annoyed by those little guys <laughs> who were harassing me. And so I would push them off. I'd elbow them. And, and that's really what makes Chris likes a nuisance on defense because guys don't want to have to play against someone who is five foot seven and jet quick and strong and has great anticipation. So they're constantly pushing him off. I will say this, though, Joe, it's a real challenge for referees to officiate, Chris, because when you're that big, when you're that small in his category, guarding guys who are much bigger and heavier, when he gets bumped, oftentimes he'll end up on the ground. <laughs> And the referee has to decide, is he flopping, is he faking, or is it really a charge? Not easy to determine. I'll tell you the other thing is, uh, the other night it was kind of funny. Also, he can dribble the ball really, really low. And uh, I don't know the defenders can. They they really got to bend their knees and everything else sometimes to get down there and try to swat the ball away or poke and jab because he can – he can, if he wants to, he he can make him smell himself even smaller. Well, one of the things when you when we talk about uh, keeping your dribble alive and really being an attacker, being in attack mode the whole time, Chris drives in there, and there's so much traffic that the best way for him to defeat that defense is keep the dribble really, really low. Otherwise, they might knock the ball out of his hands. That's University of Miami head coach Jim Laranega. And when we come back, we'll continue our discussion with Coach L. The Hurricanes will be back in action on Saturday, December the 14th, against Alabama A&M at the Wasco Center at 2 o'clock before going to New York and playing Temple in Brooklyn on Tuesday, December the 17th. We'll continue with Coach L right after this. Let me talk to you for a moment about one of my favorite subjects, Williamson Cadillac. Ed Williamson has been doing business in this town for over 50 years, and through those years, it's been their pleasure serving this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here because Williamson is Miami. Right now, I am driving the 2020 Cadillac XT5. It is a great option if you're shopping for a luxury midsize SUV. The XT5 has a roomy interior, attractive styling. It rides smooth and comfortable. It has a V6 engine that provides plenty of power for everyday driving. The XT5 also has a user-friendly information and entertainment system and all kinds of available safety features. Or you might want to look at the Escalade, the XT4, and the all-new 2020 XT6 with three rows of luxury. Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. 
three-point play yep. that you yep. just uh, had our, our audience listen to was one of the top three or four plays of the day. Uh, we ran a play. That play was actually for DJ Vasilovich to get a three. But uh, Illinois did a great job of shutting DJ down, and Cam took it on his own on the baseline. Reverse layup, took the hit, still scored the bucket. So he's doing very well. I think he's getting more and more confident, more and more comfortable, not not only with our system, but with his teammates. And I think that's huge. I think when your teammates have confidence in you, it gives you more confidence in yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, it's also well, – you brought up an interesting point. You call the play, you draw it up. Uh, the other team defends it. Uh, at that point, I think sometimes uh, outsiders feel like, well, gee, the coach called a play. It's got to go exactly the way he drew it up. But players make plays. Players have got to make plays, right? Well, we ran that play earlier in the game, and D.J. Vasilovich got wide open and made the three. Right. So we wanted to run it late in the game – hoping that we'd get the same results. The only thing is we can't control what the other team is thinking and how they might defend it. The first time, the guy defending DJ ran right into the screen. DJ got open. The second time, they switched it, and the guy who switched on to DJ denied him the the ball. So Cam made the decision, okay, I'm just going to attack. You remember, Joe, we said, don't pick up your dribble. Right. Keep your dribble alive until you know if you're going to pass. And so Cam did the right thing. He kept his dribble alive. He looked for DJ, not there. Okay, I'm going to continue to attack. Had Cam picked up his dribble, he would have been stuck on the baseline with no one to pass to. So he made a number of very fine decisions. He didn't force the pass to DJ. He kept his dribble alive, and then he attacked the defense. And and not only scored, but also drew the foul. Keith Stone made his debut the other night. He played 15 minutes. He had three rebounds. But I thought when the ball found him, he brought a calming influence. Almost, you know, some guys you say is a glue player. But I just thought his presence on the floor helped your team very much. No question, Joe. Uh, Keith Stone a local product, uh, lives here in, in, in South Florida, 6'9", 250 pounds, played at Florida, transferred in. He's a fifth-year senior, 23 years old, a wonderful personality, fits in beautifully with his teammates. And when Dang Gak went down, we played those three games in four days. Dang Gak, for those of our fans who don't know, He's done for the season. He's got an injury. He's going to have to have surgery soon, and he's done. To have Keith Stone available to us now um, is is a big, big help, and we're lucky to have him. Yeah, I thought uh, he's going to give you some strength and uh, uh, power and uh, rebounding and all that. So now uh, the team doesn't play until next Saturday. You're in exams. What happens during this time uh, of the year? Well, we took yesterday and today off so the kids could study and get their papers done and and, and uh, be working towards getting good grades this semester. We'll start practice uh, tomorrow. We'll practice Thursday, Friday, Saturday when it doesn't interfere with anything academically. 
We'll take Sunday off, and then we'll start back our regular uh, practices the following week. We'll practice Monday, Tuesday, take Wednesday off, practice Thursday, Friday, and play Saturday. You got a couple of big, still a couple of big nine conference games coming up. Uh, Alabama A is coming in next week, and then uh, we're going to go back to New York uh, to Brooklyn and play Temple uh, in two weeks. That'll be a big night. Temple is playing so Great. well, uh, and they're you know from Philadelphia, so they'll have a nice uh, group of fans just driving up I ninety five the New Jersey Turnpike uh, to get to Brooklyn. And hopefully, you know, the great crowds we've had, we've drawn with all our Miami fans in New York City. Hopefully they'll turn out to support the Hurricanes. But that's going to be one heck of a game at the Barclays Center. I want to go back to your uh, 650 wins for a minute. In that, uh, in your career, you've had some big wins. You you had a a former player the other night from uh, when you were at Bowling Green. And you told a story uh, that you beat Michigan State. You beat them at Michigan State, then they came to your place, and you beat them again. And along the way, uh, I think it was either Bowling Green or, or George Mason, you beat Kentucky. And, of course, at George Mason, you made the great run in the Final Four. So those are great wins. Uh, any of those, or what stands out for you along the way with, with some of those victories? Um, I have so many great memories of the players that I coached. But here's one. You mentioned uh, we beat Kentucky in Rupp Arena. And what I remember so much about that was Kentucky had like four, three or four NBA players in their starting lineup. And um, we were a very small team at Bowling Green. Our two guards were like 5'10". Our two forwards were like 6'5". And our center was 6'6". And, and um we went to Rupp Arena, and my son Jay was with us. Jay is Jay is now an assistant with the Boston Celtics, but back then he was like ten years old. And we were going going to the to, to Rupp Arena, and he asked me, "Dad, do we have any chance of beating these guys?" And and I said to him, "You have to play really well." to beat good teams and we're going to have to play really well tonight. If, if we're going to beat Kentucky, at Kentucky, they are certainly the odds on favorite, but you don't win on paper. You, you win on the court by how you execute that night. These small little guys, we spread the floor out and all those big guys at Kentucky had a very hard time guarding us. We beat them 56 to 54 and it was probably one of the greatest wins in Bowling Green history. But two years later, we're playing the Big Ten champions, and they have Steve Smith, Michigan State. They've got four NBA players in their starting lineup. Uh, Steve Smith, a kid named Matt Stengenga, a Mike Poplowski, and Dwayne Stevens. They all drafted. Steve Smith was the Big Ten Player of the Year and the fifth player chosen in the draft. He's a 6'8 point guard. And Kirk Whiteman, who was with us at dinner in Illinois, Kirk is about 5'11", 6 feet, and he had a guard, Steve Smith. And we beat him at, at the Breslin Center, 81-79. And then the next year, we beat him at Bowling Green, like 95-82. to 82. 
<laughs> so, games, you never know. You see what Stephen F. Austin did last week? Yeah, they beat Duke. We, we played Stephen F. Austin last year. Do you know what our score with Stephen F. Austin was? Uh, I think we beat him by about 30. 96 to 58. Yeah. 38 points. The next year they beat Duke at Duke when Duke is number one in the country. Uh, college it's at, crazy. Yeah, college. Players don't play the same way every night. They don't play the same way every half. <laughs> Things change. Like the other night, one of the concerns I had at halftime was foul trouble. Chris Likes picked up his second foul when he got the technical. Then in start the second half, he picked up his third, and we had to take him out. So the game is a long game, and anything can happen. Well, you've had uh, some great wins during 650. What I've learned from you is that you just find a way. There's there's a way. There's a plan. You got hope is not a plan, but uh, finding a way is a plan. And uh, you you have found uh, different ways to win at different places. Well, I think the expression I've used with the players a lot, and my coaches use it often too. Chris Caputo, Bill Courtney, and and Adam Fisher have worked with me a very long time. You know, Chris has been with me 18 years. <laughs> Coach Courtney, Bill Courtney, this is his 10th year of working with me. Uh, a year at Bowling Green, eight years at George Mason, and now this year at Miami. And then Adam Fisher uh, is seven years with me. And the expression we talk to the guys is, figure it out. It doesn't matter. Get better. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is during the game, you got to kind of figure what's working and what isn't working while you're out there. And then if mistakes are made, if you, you, you lose a game like we did to UConn in Florida, we lose by 20. The next day in practice is, hey, no excuses. It doesn't matter what happened in those games. we got to get better. Figure it out. And then we showed them the stats. When our players saw the stats that Illinois was the number one rebounding team in the country, and we were 333, they were like, oh, man, they're going to kill us on the boards. And yet we won the first half the rebound battle. Yes, you did, yep. Won the uh, first half battle and won the war as well. All right, Coach, thanks for joining us tonight. Congratulations on 650, 180 of those at Miami. And uh, so I'm proud to have uh, 180 with you. At any rate, um, uh, I'll see you next week, and thanks for joining us here tonight, and congrats again. All right. Thanks, Joe. Congratulations to you on on, uh, being an honorary uh, graduate of the University of Miami. That's Hurricanes head coach Jim Laranega. When we come back, we will move our attention to University of Miami football with the ACC's Defensive Rookie of the Year. Greg Rousseau will join us next right here on Hurricanes Weekly, right after this. Let me talk to you for a moment about one of my favorite subjects, Williamson Cadillac. Ed Williamson has been doing business in this town for over 50 years, and through those years, it's been their pleasure serving this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here, because Williamson is Miami. Right now, I am driving the 2020 
Cadillac XT5. It is a great option if you're shopping for a luxury midsize SUV. The XT5 has a roomy interior, attractive styling. It rides smooth and comfortable. It has a V6 engine that provides plenty of power for everyday driving. The XT5 also has a user-friendly information and entertainment system and all kinds of available safety features. Or you might want to look at the Escalade, the XT4, and the all-new 2020 XT6 with three rows of luxury. Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. Games Weekly on WQAM 560 The Joe. Our show continues Brought to you by Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. University of Miami football team obviously did not finish up the season the way they intended to, going 6-6. Six and six. We'll find out about the bowl game a little bit later on this afternoon, where Miami will be going. Uh, seems to be that there are a lot of indications that the Hurricanes will be going to the Independence Bowl, but we'll see when they make that announcement later on tonight. Don Bailey Jr. joins us now on the show as well. And uh, the Hurricanes this week, the All-ACC team, was announced. Jack Quarterman, Mike Pickney, Trajan Bandy, all on the team, along with Greg Rousseau and Hurricanes redshirt freshman had himself a heck of a season, played in all 12 games. Rousseau finished with 49 tackles. 14 sacks, six quarterback hurries. Greg Rousseau, the ACC Rookie Defensive Player of the Year, joins us on the show. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that season uh, or this past season. 12 sacks for you, 13 sacks for you. Uh, when did you start feeling that, uh, feeling comfortable and feeling like you would have uh, a, a great impact in the pass rush? Uh, honestly, I always felt comfortable. It was. It wasn't really like. It wasn't. There wasn't really a huge process to it. I just knew if I just kept working every single week, that like uh, my hard work would just pay off. Greg, you obviously lit it up towards the end of the year, and uh, we're very, very proud of you yeah. on how you've handled that. By the way, and your humility through all of this, and uh, yes, sir. you're feeding off each other, Garvin and Hill, and that whole group. It, it, have they taught you a lot of things as well as Coach Stroud? Oh, yeah, definitely. Coach Stroud, uh, he's a technician. Like, he has so much wisdom. He knows so much. And then and then being with Garvin and Neil, those older guys, those older guys uh, being in the room with them has been great also because it's just like – it's just like I can always learn something, something from them because they're such great pass rushers. You know, I can never stop getting better when, you're, when I'm around people like that every single day. So they're honestly uh, all blessings in my life, the whole entire D-line included. You had, uh, obviously, Greg, a great year. Uh, one more game to go, a bowl game. We'll talk about that uh, in, in a moment. But moving forward, some people would look at that and say, okay, 13 sacks, 12, 13 sacks. Uh, how do you improve on that? But the other, <laughs> because it's such a large number. So, but there are going yeah, yeah. to be these expectations out there. So I don't know if you reach that number again, but how do you uh, not settle for where you are? How do you keep fighting to get even better? Um, you know, it's, it's never said it'll be great for me, honestly. But I'm gonna just keep on working hard, and like, uh, and giving it my all. If I get five sacks in the season, or ten, or or a million, like it really doesn't matter to me. As long as I'm just, as long as I know that I'm giving my all for the team, then like I, I'm happy with that, honestly. And then everything else just comes. All right, so you got to help us 
and explain this to our many, many listeners and Hurricane fans that where this Miami offensive line is. I study them very, very hard and at the same time study your deep front. But this offensive line positively improved as the year went on. They didn't have a great day number-wise against Duke, but they also had were, were down to number three and number four as far as guys off the bench, or, or if you want to look at it that way, it would be seven, eight, or nine. Um, give, us, give us your analysis of the Miami offensive line. Uh, honestly, I think they're all they're really great players, and and they're all they're really young too. So the whole season they were just building and building and just getting better every single week. Like even though it doesn't always look good, you know their, their hearts are definitely in it, and they're hardworking kids, and they're going to be great. Greg Rousseau is our guest. Greg was named uh, ACC uh, Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, next year, perhaps, you'll be named uh, Player of the Year. That'd be a good place to start. When you start drawing up, uh, actually, let me re- rephrase that. When you start drawing up your goals, uh, maybe it's for the bowl game or going into next year, what, what do you think some of them are going to be? What do you want them to be? What do you think is going to be important to you to achieve at the University of Miami? Uh, honestly, I feel like uh, all the accolades and stuff, they come, but just for me, it's just never slowing down and just always getting better and improving because I have so much, uh, I have so many things in my game I can work on. And then also just pulling along teammates and pulling along my uh, my boys with me on the field and just bringing us to that great level that we that we know we could be at, that elite level. Shaq Quarterman is, I believe it's 52 coming up, isn't it, Joseph? Game number 52, it I might believe. might be 53. 52 or 53 consecutive. Can you describe yeah. what he what he means, you know, to the football team? But even bigger picture, what is his legacy going to be that he's going to leave at the University of Miami? I mean, honestly, I feel like he's one of the greats as a linebacker to, uh, to come through our university. And then, like, I've always built up with Shaq even since before I got here. I was like, wow, starting as a freshman, just really just inspirational. And just being able to play with him this year has been a blessing. He's really that rock like in the middle of our defense, like when you're playing DNA, you turn around and you shot behind you, like, man, like all I got to do is do my job because you know 55 is going to get it right. You know, like he's somebody we all we all trust and he was just that dude that we all looked up to in the defense. And it was just a blessing just to play beside him, honestly. Greg Rousseau, 18 tackles for losses, 14 sacks this year. Uh, you had 49 tackles. And 18 of them were behind the line of scrimmage. That's a phenomenal number. Uh, all right, so now the season did not finish the way you wanted, uh, the way anybody wanted. How do you repair it? How do you uh, fix the last two weeks uh, of the season with uh, with a bowl game coming up? Oh, um, just prepare for the bowl game uh, with our best preparation of the year and to go out there and just play hard and play for our brothers one last time. And just we have, because Dia tells us we have the chance to end the season with uh, with a trophy this year, and we don't do that. We haven't done that often in the last couple of years. So just being able to do that would be huge for our program, and we're excited to go out there and get a win with, against whoever we play. When you look at your career to date, you were redshirted last season, and that was due to injury. But now that yeah. you can look in the rearview mirror, being only a freshman for. Didn't the the difference between year one and year two physically has got to be huge for you? Oh yeah, definitely. I definitely got uh, stronger and faster. 
and um, more coordinated. And that's really uh, a big shout out to Coach Feely and his staff. They've done a great job. Um, the, the rehab uh, people with my ankle, this whole training room, I mean, they all helped me get back, like, in a great way. And then, and then um, now I'm just reaping the benefits. What do you uh, do now, Greg, between now and uh, uh, when bowl practices start back up? We'll figure out where the bowl game is going to be this weekend. Uh, this is exam mm-hmm. time, right? So I guess uh, uh, from a standpoint of uh, academics, this is kind of a busy time for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, working on a lot of assignments, typing some papers. Also, uh, still making sure I'm conditioned and working out. Because when I come back from bowl practice, I don't want to be like, you know, like uh, super out of shape or dead tired. You know, Greg, you you somewhat, for for uh, on a national level or conference level, you somewhat were snuck onto the scene this year. You know, Joe and I have been at practice, and we've watched you and do great things since the minute you stepped on campus. How do you yeah. ha- how do you handle now that the word is out <laughs> against every opponent in the whole conference and nationally? that you're going to be schemed up every single game or actually every single play you go from here on out? Uh, just uh, um, hmm. really just bringing my game to the next level. And and obviously that's, that's a big challenge, like getting chip blocks and stuff like that. But it's, it's, I'm up for a challenge, though. It's going to be exciting. And I can't wait to see but it, like how teams are prepared for me. And also that opens up opportunities for other teammates, so that's cool, too. Well, that's the right mindset, but – but that's the inspiration for somebody that's competitive is the more they throw at you, the better you got to get. Exactly. exactly. That's how I'm looking at it. You got to get better and keep improving. Now, pick, up, pick up on Don's point, by the way. This is probably uh, more advice than question. But uh, a tidal wave of publicity is going to be coming your way in the offseason going into next year because uh, you'll have a lot of preseason uh, uh, accolades. It'll be, you know, uh, people voting on all ACC teams and voting nationally. So you'll have a lot of things coming your way that you'll have to prioritize. This is going to be probably a very big off season for you, not only physically, but also mentally uh, to make sure that everything is in order. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And just, um, just keeping my head down and just working, that, that's going to solve that. And just, uh, just being the same guy and not letting anything change me and just keep on going hard. I feel like I'll be fine. You know, Greg, I, I always watch the one-on-one pass rush sessions at practice, and I I thoroughly enjoy watching Coach Stroud and what a great technician he is. I think that's flown under the radar a little bit this year with how much attention he spends to detail. How has he impacted not only the offensive line but you personally in your pass rush and run defense? Uh, a lot, a lot for sure. I learned a lot of new techniques from him, and then a lot of just small things like just having that perfect first step with the perfect angle, like uh, bringing the challenge to the offensive lineman and not letting him come punch you. Just little things like that, and like just ball get off stuff like that. Stroud takes so seriously, so I, I feel like he's been he's really been a blessing in all of all the of uh, the D linemen's lives, and he's been just great, and he's really an inspiration too. When you get to this time of the year and you start moving into uh, the bowl game or a bowl game that you're, that, that you're going to play in, 
Uh, it's also a transition time. Uh, Don mentioned Shaq and Mike Pickney, but uh, those guys are going to pass the torch now on to players like uh, you and uh, DJ Ivy and Blades and uh, let's see who else would be in that in that mix. You have some of the young guys, uh, some of the younger guys, uh, Harvey, Jafari yeah. Harvey. And uh, so this year you look at it, you go 6-6. Six and six. There were games that you probably thought you were going to win, did not win. Uh, in the offseason, what do you guys do to try to, to, to push that forward to go from 6 to 10 or whatever the number might be? Um, honestly, just, just bringing every single day in the offseason and, uh, and just working hard with Philly, of course, and just never losing – Sight and remembering how like it feels to lose on those on those Saturday on those Saturday nights and just making sure we get it right next year. Yeah. And I feel like those young guys are really gonna help us out too. When you when you look into that locker room, I mean you're gonna start practice right away. Are you gonna try to institute a new mindset immediately on how to get over the last two losses? And this is this is the a new year right now. Yeah. And, and honestly, the mindset for us is just like all, all you can do is work because we work hard. We worked hard uh, last year, but just you know, just paying more attention to detail and the little things that should help us out a lot too. Yeah, well, when it comes to working hard, I can attest you work hard. <laughs> I see you coming off the field, and uh, we've talked a couple of times, and I know it's important to you. And uh, I don't know, maybe the lesson is uh, out of the last two weeks that. Losing is not much fun, right? I mean, losing probably hurts. Yeah. The old line is losing hurts more than winning feels good. Yeah, facts. It's tough. Greg, well, you, I just want you to know you've also been nominated to, to, to see me at, at least every other post-game show after the football season next year. So we're going to start, the, we're going to start <laughs> this coming year after the bowl game. I'm going to find you. Get used to it. I'll get you warmed up for next season, okay? All right, all right, that's cool with me. All right, all right, Greg, congratulations on the award. Uh, congratulations on the season you put together. Uh, we'll see you when practice uh, returns. Uh, and uh, the very best of luck uh, to you in the bowl game coming up. Thank you, thank you, appreciate you. Thank you for having me. All right, that's uh, Greg Rousseau, Hurricanes uh, defensive end, heck of a kid, uh, ACC Rookie Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year. All right, thanks so much to Greg Rousseau for joining us on the show, as well as Don Bailey Jr. That will wrap it up for Hurricanes Weekly. We'll return with the Hurricane Hotline on Wednesday night, December the 11th. Hurricanes basketball team back in action on Saturday, December the 14th. Thanks so much for joining us here on Hurricanes Weekly and on WQAM 560 The Joe. Have a great day, everyone. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.